anytime somebody has an idea or a thought or a PowerPoint or a vision, how can they make that a reality? And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the traditional way of project management. There are different ways. And so how do we learn about those? I've really instilled that kind of thinking uh, in our organization and, and uh, in different ways. One way is a mindset shift. Um, and you might hear now, as you start to talk to more and more P, uh, project management folks across the globe, this concept of 10X. And, and what, that, what I mean by 10X is a mindset shift. What if we could, whatever we're talking about, what would it look like if it was 10 times bigger? What would it look like? What would it need to do if it was 10 times bigger? It doesn't necessarily have to be revenue or, uh, or you know, scale. It's just 10X in thought process. Thank you for listening to Ivy Podcast, where we feature weekly leadership conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Now, here is your host, John Karsibayev. Hello, Jan. Uh, my name is Sunil Prashara. I'm the president and the CEO of the Project Management Institute. Sunil, thanks so much for finding time to join us on the Ivy Podcast today. Personally, you know, my, my close network, they know how excited I am about this episode, mainly because of my background in project management. Uh, I've led multiple PMOs for different organizations. Uh, so this is a great opportunity, you know, for me to, to pick your brain, to learn a little bit more, to get some of your, you know, thought leadership on what's coming up next. So I'm super pumped. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Uh, previously, your career, uh, if you just give us a little intel from, from that standpoint. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I've been with the Project Management Institute now coming up to uh, the end of my second year. But prior to that, I was running my own company. It was a, like a, a digital startup, really accelerating, helping startup companies to accelerate their sales processes. Um, and help them really sort of stand up um, against a lot of competition that's out there, a lot of companies, you know, starting off, uh, and they need a lot of help in that space. So I had been busy for two, three years building that business up. And then prior to that, um, I'd worked with Vodafone in an operational role um, and with Nokia, so the telco sector predominantly. Um, at Nokia, I was uh, uh, the global head of sales. So I had a profession really in sales. And prior to that, actually, for 10 years, I was a finance guy. I'm actually a qualified accountant. And um, I worked for a chap called Ross Perot uh, for 10 years uh, as his finance guy uh, for a company called Perot Systems. And uh, so I started off my career in finance, uh, 10 years in finance, became the CFO of uh, uh, Perot Systems Europe. Then moved into sales, spent several years in sales. I was very lucky, um, did very well in sales and and uh, became the global head of sales at, at Nokia. I loved that job. That was great. Learned a lot there. And then with uh, Vodafone, it was more operational stuff. So got involved in a lot of operations. That's where I really discovered the power of project management in that role. I didn't realize that even as a finance guy and as a sales guy, I'd been running projects. I just didn't realize that they were just never called projects. They were called sales engagements or they were called in year-end process or something, you know. And it wasn't until I got into operations in, in Vodafone that I realized that actually, you know, everything that I'm doing is a project in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And then using that skill to start my own company. Uh, and then uh, PMI came along because um, I was very happy with the work that I was doing in, in my startup. Um, but I, I felt that PMI could really amplify uh, what I was advocating in my company and take it to a different level. And that was really what attracted me to, to PMI and, and, and I've been there for the last two years. Wow. Wow. What a, what an exciting journey. Uh, you know, it just proves the point of how omnipresent project management is that it's really, you know, it's not, you know, specific to any industry or any particular trade. It's even in our personal lives, we do project management on a daily basis. So that's pretty exciting. Thanks for sharing that a little bit of uh, kind of that career journey. Uh, one topic that I, I am super excited about is evolves around innovation, uh, you know, building cultures of innovation, fostering, you know, that culture of experimentation. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time studying that, a lot, you know, talked to a lot of executives from different strategies, how to do that. From, from PMI standpoint, you know, I'm heavily involved with PMI myself, just being PMP and all of that great stuff. I see a lot of 
you know, different initiatives, a lot of great, you know, you know, strategies and different projects that are underway to really make the PMI kind of that standard. And, you know, for, from, from not, not only the governing board, but from innovating in the space of project management, curious to get your take on how do you, you know, some practical strategies around really fostering that culture of innovation within, you know, a global organization such as PMI. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's, a, it's an incredible topic because a lot of people would think that, okay, um, the project management in, uh, industry is really structured. It's really sort of, you know, it's been, really a PMI have been around for 50 years, right, as an organization. And, and the PMP has been around for that period of time. And, and it's very structured and it's, uh, it's very methodical um, and it's tried and tested. And we know that, you know, that um, techniques and methods within there if applied in the most appropriate way, will generate a better chance of you succeeding in your project. We know all of that. And however, the world moves on and the world continues to develop and change and technology has played a huge part in changing the way work is being done, has been done in the past and continues to be done and now is accelerating even further. So even the project management profession is evolving and requires new thought leadership and new thinking. Um, layer on top of that, technology change change the fact that there are new ways of working anyway you know the emergence of agile the emergence of you know hyper agile or the democratization of of uh, application development you know and, and the agile world into this world of citizen developer companies and, and individuals are continuously looking for new ways to improve the way that they can get work done and and that means that you have to be continuously innovating and i've seen i've been really lucky because i've seen lots of different companies uh, apply different ways of kind of introducing innovation into their organization. And, and um, one that sort of, as you were talking, sort of really comes to mind was uh, something that Telstra was doing where they uh, had created these little pods uh, of, of in innovation centers and they would invest in those pods, give them complete autonomy from, from the rest of the, the Telstra. Telstra is a telco in, 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 in Australia. And, um, you know, they'd given them uh, this organization, uh, these these little pods, um, enough resources to be able to create some kind of pilot or create some kind of new way of working. But the objective was find something that kills Telstra. So find something that can compete against our existing products, but I'd rather own whatever it is that you come up with. Now, if you find something, then we should take a look at that. And we, maybe we should morph our major organization into that kind of service offering. If you can't find something that tells me my, my products are relevant and continue to be relevant, et cetera. So I really like that kind of thinking. Uh, within PMI, we've been very conscious and certainly in the last two years that we can't sit still and just rely on the PMP. The world of work is definitely changing. We, you know, we wanted to leapfrog and we want to become our aspiration is to be like the go-to place for all things project. And, and I loved it when you said everything is a project, even organizing a holiday is a project, right? So, you know, um, how can we as PMI with this incredible heritage of 50 years of representing the profession, become the go-to place for all things project? But anytime somebody has an idea or a thought or a PowerPoint or a vision, how can they make that a reality? And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the traditional way of project management. There are different ways. And so how do we learn about those? I've really instilled that kind of thinking uh, in our organization and, and uh, in different ways. One way is a mindset shift. Um, and you might hear now, as you start to talk to more and more P uh, project management folks across the globe, this concept of 10X. And, and what, that, what I mean by 10X is a mindset shift. What if we could, whatever we're talking about, what would it look like if it was 10 times bigger? What would it look like? What would it need to do if it was 10 times bigger? It doesn't necessarily have to be revenue or, uh, or you know, scale. It just 10x in thought process. You know, if we want to create an impactful certification and we have set a target at, I don't know, 100,000 in a year, you know, certifications in a year, what would it look like? What would we need to do to make it a million? you know, in that year. So just the mindset throughout the whole company has become, it took about six months, but within that six months, I'm seeing the results of it now where in every conversation, somebody's going to say, okay, I get what we're trying to do now, but how can we amplify this? How can we make this 10X of it? Right. And so that, so I think that innovation comes with a mindset shift. Um, and if you allow people 
the opportunity to challenge conventional thinking. And, you know, COVID has given us the opportunity to do that now. Um, you know, I think people are much more susceptible to, to, to taking on change, which is something that, you know, they weren't uh, a few months back. We're grabbing the opportunity and we're trying to become super innovative. We're trying to lean really forward and saying, okay, what is, what, what, where will innovation take us? And let's em embrace it and let's try some new things. Wow, that's super exciting. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree more with you from a standpoint of really kind of almost that culture of experimentation where, you know, you know, you take on smaller projects, you really understand the impact and then you, you know, try to tie that to the overall organizational vision where that's going. I think that's, like you said, it starts with people because, you know, I talk to a lot of executives, we have a lot of projects going on on the so quote unquote digital transformation, but digital transformation, it all starts with people transformation. You know, you yes. can't really, you know, modernize your systems without people being bought in to the vision. So it definitely resonates with what you're talking about as far as that. I like that, you know, framework of 10x mindset. It's really to be able to think outside the box, to think of different ways of doing things and really looking at innovation, not something that's completely disruptive, but because it could be a small little improvement to an internal process. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting you said that because we just uh, are towards the end of our digital transformation. We were very lucky that we were actually in the midst of a dis our digital transformation when COVID hit us and that forced us to accelerate um, and cut through, you know, some of the bureaucracy and some of the challenges that, that, that and, you know, things that just weren't relevant anymore because we had to move at pace. That really helped focus people's mind. And that's when you realize the power of people, when you're having to move at pace in a, you know, actually in an unstructured environment where you don't really know what the outcome is going to be and we're moving at pace. But interestingly, we implemented incredible technology that allows us to do fantastic things but if the people don't know what those things are it's a bit like sitting inside a a really flashy car with all these knobs and whistles and bells and all sorts of things on a, on your digital display and not really knowing or using half of them because you just don't know what they can and can't do so people make a massive difference in transformation, not only in the mindset, but also in their competencies and their skill sets to be able to apply and use the technology. I genuinely think that when I look at what we've done in PMI, we're probably using 10% of the capability of the technology that we have invested in. And I think it will grow over the next few years because it's new, but maybe in four or five years time, we'll be using 60%, but you know, it's people that will be using it. For sure. Right, right, absolutely. No, that's a great example. I love that. And, you know, can't wait to learn a little, little bit more about the new technologies that are coming out that, you know, at PMI, that's, that's super exciting. So from, you know, you were telling, telling, sharing with us a little bit more about your background from kind of being very entrepreneurial. Uh, you had your startup, you were working with startups as well, which is, you know, super exciting to me. I've had multiple startups. I'm actually working on one right now where we're building a technology for staffing space. But all that aside, curious to to pick your brain on the what's what's exciting to Sunil. What are the different you know trends and ideas that you're very passionate about these days? What do you think will be the next big thing? What are you looking to invest in? Perhaps it doesn't have to be <laughs> management. Uh, just trying to pick sure. the brain of Sunil on kind of what are you what are you mostly excited about? Do you know what? I, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting topic and and. Um... You know, I'm interested in lots and lots of different things, but I, I, I have the privilege to sit on a number of sort of boards where, or forums actually, where uh, there are a lot of CEOs uh, yeah. on those forums. And there was one that I was sitting on a few days ago where there, there was a number of very serious CEOs on that. On that. Uh, and when I say serious, I mean really large organizations like the CEO of Pfizer, the CEO of Levi Strauss, wow. CEO of IBM. Wow. And... Uh, <clears throat> and many, many more, you know, and uh, we were all breaking out into sessions and talking about what is really important right now. Mm -hmm. And we came up with a list of like 15 and then everyone got back together again. And, you know, and they said, okay, well, what was your top one out of your little cohort that you discussed? Yeah. And in my cohort was the CEO of Sanofi, which is a pharmaceutical firm in France, mm -hmm. Levi Strauss, uh, the CEO of uh, Ernst & Young and myself. So, you know, pretty, pretty you know, I mean, I was like a minnow compared to these guys. <laughs> But interestingly, uh, the, interestingly, the topics were the same, right? And we came up with 15 topics. And sorry, I'm sorry, I'm leading up to this. But, yeah, yeah, no, I love it. But the, top, but the incredible thing was, I've got the list here right in front of me, you know, 
beating uh-huh. COVID was number one, you know, equal opportunities for all, climate change, health and well- wellness, the, you know, uh, empathy, uh, the purpose, um, deeper social commitments, the, you know, fixing the digital divide, authentic collaboration, empathy, you know, uh, uh, mental health, building trust. So we went through all this whole list. Now, I did not hear the word profit. Mm. I did not hear the word, word shareholder value. I did not hear, right. you know, after 90-minute conversations with these guys who, you know, who are under tremendous pressure from their shareholders to keep the company going and perform results, yet their mind is shifted to all of this you know, humanity, really, uh-huh. you know, climate change. And so what, make, what interests me is this pivot that's going on right now mm-hmm. uh, where the world is almost been shocked into realizing that, okay, it's important to have economic wealth. It's important to address your shareholders but you know people matter you know the planet matters purpose matters you know so i like that so that's the kind of thing that's really i'm enjoying this realization that's happening that you know that that success is not just economic based success is making a difference success is being responsible and and i love the way that the world is hoping to uh, that it's going to shift in this new way that it's going to build itself back up again I think PMI and the Project Management Institute could play a huge part in that uh, because we're a purpose-driven organization. We're not for profits. We really try, we embrace the, um, you know, the United Nations SDGs, try and make us bigger, you know, one third of our workforce focused is purely 100% on giving back, you know, um, a, a third of the workforce. That's significant. Um, so the things that really excite me, you know, I, I, I love this conversation that's going on right now between are we going to become completely automated and are the machines going to take over? Is it going to be Terminator, you know, and where the machines are going to try and take over humans, or is it going to be Iron Man where machines are going to work with humans to create something that's better than the human on its own and the machine on its own. So i.e., a machine with conscience, you know, like Iron Man. So I love this kind of discussion that's going on now. Where are people going to play? I love also um, trying to figure out now what are, uh, going to be the key components of the way work is done in the future. I mean, in the, organizations are looking to be able to pivot on a dime. I like to call it gymnastic. They need to be beyond agile. You know, uh, they they need to be able to pivot. They need to be able to springboard. They need to be able to do somersaults and look good while they're doing it and look in control while they're doing it. But at the same time, they have a workforce that they have to protect and look after. And some of that workforce may not be able to do that. You know, and then there's contractors out there that probably can and who are much more seasoned. So is there going to be a change in the mix of employees and contractors? Uh, you know, Uberization is the term I heard yesterday. You know, are we seeing Uberization of the workforce? Right. Fantastic conversation. You know, where are we going with that? You know, today, a lot of, you know, employment law gives a lot of protection to, employ- uh, to employees. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and contractors don't get the benefit of that. But then the contractors come with point solutions that you don't have to invest in the employees to to tap into. And if companies want to become gymnastic, they need to be able to tap into those as minute they see something that's happening, they need to be able to respond. Perhaps they can't wait to keep their people moving and technology and ways of working is moving so fast that maybe there's a different mix of people that you need. I don't know. I mean, nobody knows. It's a white sheet of paper. COVID has caused a uh, a reboot and I get excited by knowing where we're going and the fact that the Project Management Institute is up front and central in in some of the thought leadership that's going on uh, today. Right. Well, I, I love this. Uh, we could probably spend the rest of the podcast talking about this. Uh, you know, very exciting trends. Definitely. You know, and I, I love the example on kind of the forum where you participated with a lot of thought leaders. You know, coming together discussing these ideas. So that's super exciting. And then one thing that you touched upon, which is you know very near dear to my heart, because uh, when we talk about contingent workforce. Uh, from the contractor perspective, consultants, um, you know, right now we're building technology specific for that space because mainly we're investing into that trend. We see a lot of potential there. Uh, you know, I've been there myself. I've been a contractor, you know, for many different organizations and for companies to be very nimble, agile, flexible, like you said, you know, almost like Olympic gymnastics yeah. uh, to be able to adapt to different trends. 
I think that becomes such an important element of that when it comes to workforce management. So that's super exciting. I love that. And then the other aspect that you touched upon is the whole kind of the, the relationship with, with advanced technologies when we talk about machine learning, artificial intelligence, RPA. I, I wrote an article last year, I write for Forbes, uh, that was the topic around how to build that recession-proof uh, you know, career strategy that also has, you know, they, from, a, from a standpoint of the automation perspective. So um, I would love to get your take on the thoughts, especially around, you know, project management. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a topic that's ongoing. It's, you know, it, it never dies and it's always exciting to talk about that. How do you think these technologies will, will impact, whether positively or negatively, and in any way, the project management trade um, be able to coexist, to collaborate and actually drive that? I, I think that um, I think you're going to see a proliferation of projects. I think uh, that's the first thing. I think we call it the project economy. I think technology is going to enable um, project managers to become even more impactful. Uh, I think their scope of work will change as a result of that. Um, I don't, I mean, the scheduling and the automated repeatable tasks, I think technology will take care of. And I think that organizations will look for much more uh, human skills from from project managers. And in fact, I think that the skills that project managers bring to the table today are actually required beyond project management. You know, if you look at the project management market, if you like, people that have got the word project management in their job title, there's about 45 million of them across the globe. But if you look at how many change makers there are, people that trigger change or make change happen, the market is 750 million. So there are 750 million people that organizations are going to be tasking to say, hey, stand me back up again after what's just happened to me because of COVID. My business is going to be different. My processes are going to be different. My technology I've just embraced at the speed of light. I'm not really sure what it can do and what it can't do, but I just have to get it. You know, now make something new for me. And so those change makers are going to be tasked with the same kind of requirements that project managers are going to make. So that means that the PMI Institute has the opportunity to grow, not 10x, but I think 17x, if not even more, 20x, right? Because there's all these change makers that are going to be asking for help. And we can we can help them. And governments and academia and enterprises are looking at organizations like ours, say, how can you help me enable my team fast? Uh, and it doesn't matter whether they're sitting in a PMO or whether they're sitting in finance or in HR, they're all executing on some form of transformation. It's not like when you do, you know, projects within an organization of digital transformation touches every single part of an organization and every single person from the call center person to the receptionist, right? So everybody's going to become a change maker. So I think that, you know, technology will make a big, play a big role. Um, also ways of working, you know, companies, are trying to you know, expand the use of agile beyond software and, and IT into the enterprise you know, to become the, the agile enterprise. We are saying, actually, you need to go beyond that. You want to become hyper agile. Right. You almost want to become, you know, uh, you, you want to be able to do instant change. That would be the ideal. And, you know, if you could do instant change, if you could do real time change. And that's where this world of citizen developer and this concept of citizen developer is taking us. And PMI is at the front end of that right now, as you probably read about, you know, how people who have not trained in uh, application development coding languages, yeah. but can still use technology to create solutions and applications without the need to, uh, to, to know the code. It's a bit like, uh, you know, uh, Alexa, when you just say to Alexa, hey, tell me what what you know what's the time or what's the weather like in philadelphia it will tell you but you don't know how it's worked that out you don't really need to know all the technology that goes behind making it go out and do that search find out what the, what the temperature is in, in philly come back and tell you and convert it into 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 sound and then send it to you you don't need to know all of that all you need to know is hey what's the temperature in philly or what time is my flight checking or whatever you know right and it will, and it will, and I think that technology will allow people, enable people in this way, even in the way work is done in the future. So, mm -hmm. so I think it's very exciting times, to be honest, John, uh, as we go forward. Right, right, absolutely. No, I, I love this uh, mainly because, 
you know, and I've been preaching this for, for a very long time, not necessarily preaching, but it's just my stance on the reason I've chose this as a career as well is, you know, I honestly do believe from project management standpoint, it's not just, you know, managing schedules and durations and, you know, resource allocation, all of that. It's, you know, the role has evolved so much where, you know, automate, it's almost immune to any automation from a standpoint that a project manager is very, almost a strategic partner to, you know, to an executive team, to development teams, to all the groups within the organization where you have to act as an advisor rather than just, you know, running around putting, you know, project plans together. It's really kind of taking a lot of that stakeholder management, that communication aspect of, you know, being at the center that brings everything together. I think to me, that's one of the biggest values that we as project managers bring and to be able to highlight and, you know, hone in on those skills rather than, you know, that's a little bit more niche from, you know, the tools that you use. I think there's a huge potential for project managers to really evolve from that standpoint rather than viewing advanced technologies as more of a threat to the exactly. in general. And, and just to add to that and just to echo what you're saying. So you may have heard that one of the things that uh, PMI was, was heavily focused on was this uh, uh, brand that we call Brightline, which was really focused around strategy. And then we pivoted from strategy and the chief strategy officer to the chief transformation officer. Today, there isn't a certification, if you like, for a chief transformation officer. There is for a CFO and there is for, you know, for chief marketing officer and so on and so forth. But for the chief transformation officer, there isn't anything that's out there. Right. And when you look, and the chief transformation officer is not the chief strategy officer the strategy officer is the chap who's coming up with the you know the concepts the ideas the direction the market research tells you where we, you need to go as a company perhaps yeah. the transformation yeah. officer is the person that's going to get you there you know it's going to put the systems and processes in place it's really like a very high level pmo mm-hmm. or project manager right yeah. so what we've done is we've created as a, the line in bright line is the line from the project manager to the chief transformation officer. And that journey, uh-huh. we've created a series of uh, certifications, microcerts that start with the project manager in mind, and then build layers on top of that, the skill sets required to take you on the journey to become a chief transformation officer. And when you do, when you map out that journey, you realize actually a lot of skill sets are what we call today power skills, right? They're the skills required for like, uh, empathetic uh, uh, understanding of your customer, or the voice of your customer, you know, having empathy with your employees, strong communication, you know, a whole bunch of soft skills that, that are required over and above the technology, over and above the structure, over and above the method and the governance and, and so on and so forth that can take you on this journey eventually. And we have the OPT, it's called Organizational Transformation 1 that's just been released. And we've got two and three and four, and eventually you'll get to and then maybe perhaps what we might do is just bring them all together is to one and say, right, there's your certification. If an organization is looking for a chief transformation officer, here's a person who's got PMP. So grounded in getting work done, turning ideas into reality, and then layered on top of that, all the special skills required to make them a chief transformation officer uh, with, with the right kind of thought leadership to support it. So we're going in that journey. Oh, I love this. It's it's exciting. I think it's so relevant, especially when, you know, as project managers, there's always that thought, like, what is next for me? What is my career path? How do what's my growth strategy from a standpoint, whether, you know, whether I'm part of a larger organization, how do I progress from that standpoint or whether I'm leading my startup and how do I apply those skills? So that's super exciting that you guys are working on that type of roadmap from career growth perspective with that vision. What's that kind of end goal almost? I, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of value in that. And the other point that you made on that micro certifications is these days we've seen this emerging trend out of, especially in pandemic, where this micro learning, you know, platforms is really what's really succeeding these days, where people's attention span is just, you know, with the social media and everything is like non-existent. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about training courses, certification courses, all of that, it's everything on the micro level that how do you deliver the most impactful information in the most, you know, concise, packed, you know, shortest manner. So that's exciting to hear that you guys have that type of, you know, initiatives within the organization uh, that that really going to help project managers, you know, excel and build that career path. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, when you look at uh, PMI now, 
versus where it was two years ago, there's been mass transformation. So two years ago, we were largely the PMP and a few sort of bolt-on uh, certifications that were uh, that were interest that were interesting and that added, actually added a bit more value than just the PMP, i.e., you know, the PGMP and so on and so forth. And then a few specialisations in risk and things like that. But we were we were largely a single um, product association, if you like, if yep. I could call it a product. Two years on, we are multi-product. We've got an ag- we've made an acquisition in, in the agile space. So we've now got very strong le- thought leaders in the world of agile. We're going one step further into the world of citizen developer and creating the, the structure and the guidance and the guardrails for effective uh, you know, citizen developer and no-code, low-code. That's the new way of working. We've moved into design thinking with um, uh, wicked problem solving. So we've become multi-product. Now, so that's the one first thing. The second thing is we're going beyond the project manager. We want to hit the change makers because we know they need our help. Yeah. So our market changing. For 50 years, we've been nurturing project managers and they, if we get it wrong, you know, they'll be the first ones to tell us, but they'll give us a lot of mileage to get it right because yeah. we've known them for 50 years. When you move into the new world or a new market, they're not going to give you the same size runway. So we have to be spot on. We, we When we go and start talking to the marketing people or the finance people about getting work done, unless we are completely, you know, spot on in, in our thought leadership, they won't give us the same size runway. So so that's a risk that we're taking, but it's a, an important one. And then also we're going multi-region. So, we're, so within two years, we've moved into a regional model. We used to be everything is in Philly and everything is designed in Philly to now We've got eight regions around the world with eight managing directors and, you know, each one of them close to their local region talking about what's happening in that specific. Africa is very, very different to Latin America, is very different to North America. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the nuances by geography as well. And then specialization of skill sets as well. So we've morphed in two years, John, to a, to a very, you know, dynamic, multifaceted uh, organization. It's very exciting times. And I'll tell you, you know, I I wasn't sure how to bring up that that particular topic, you know, in a in a sensitive way, you know, without <clears throat> you know offending anyone or anything from from this standpoint. But <clears throat> I'm so glad that you're talking about this transformation through the past two years because, you know, being in project management trade, you know, PMI has always been kind of that governing board and you know the sounding board almost. Sure. Uh, but I, I I definitely you know I echo you know, majority of the kind of the opinions about the PMI for through the past, you know, five years beyond just the last two years that things have gotten a little bit stale almost where it was all about the PMP and just maintaining the PDUs. Um, there wasn't a lot of, you know, innovation per se that, you know, that, you know, project management trade needed. And, you know, that's super exciting what you're talking about in a sense that really going just beyond the one single product certification organization where you now actually looking at that being that multi-platform you know for just project leadership in general where you're not just developing you know you know the managers of the projects it's more the actual leaders uh within the organization so that's super exciting um you know i'm very pumped about it and you know yeah no i am too and uh you know i really do think that we can become the wikipedia of all things project i really i want to be i would love us to be like a, almost like a household name. If you want anything done, if you've got a project done, you know we want to be we want to be a digital organization. We want to almost be like the Google, for sure. So, you know, engine with the best practices, the best thing. Regardless of where you are in your career, you could be a CTO, you could be a finance person, you could be yeah. a, a student, you know, and you will find value in this. And we call that to five to seventy-five, and it doesn't have to stop at seventy-five. I know people go on for long, much longer than that. I hope I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, but five to seventy-five, we want to be relevant. So, I'm, I, a lot of credit goes to the board of directors of PMI, who I think for a long time had been envisaging this, you know, acceleration of change. Um, and you know, and when I joined, I was very lucky that the board were susceptible, you know, were, were happy to take on some of the ideas. We changed the brand, then the branding within six months of me joining, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that made a huge difference. And of course, you have some people who love it and some people who It was needed. It was very... Yeah, very yeah it, the, the idea, it was really sending a message to the world. Uh, it was needed anyway, uh, but it was sending a message to the world that we are going to be all different colors, all different shapes, all different sizes. You know, we're going to be 
going broader, bigger, deeper. Uh, and we've got the got the ambition and the appetite to do it. So right. and the board is behind me and we're going to try and give it a go. And we'll stumble here and there, you know, and COVID and things like that will get in the way. And But, but you know, we're, we're on a mission. <laughs> we're going to do I it. I love that. And, you know, I, I love that. You know, we part of our organization, you know, me and my partner, we, we, we put together a lot of, you know, these micro learning training courses for project management and it all evolves around kind of that practical aspect of the project management where it's, you know, just breaking that mold that you're not just there to manage, you know, the schedules and run around and ask, you know, when are you going to finish a certain task? Um, it's really just being that strategic advisor and really developing those leadership skills. And it's almost also becoming, you mentioned that several times from emotional intelligence perspective, really be able to kind of be almost that psychologist at the end of the day to understand what people are coming from uh, and really help them put in into that, you know, that mindset, how to succeed in a particular situation. I think that's, you know, the role of project managers just evolving and evolving. So that's exciting to hear all the initiatives you, you're driving. We did, uh, uh, we flipped to, I mean, most organizations, in fact, all organizations probably flipped to a, a hybrid model of homeworking and, and working, you know, in the office. We were in the middle of our digital transformation and we had to flip the whole organization, 100% of the organization to homeworking, which meant our call centers, everything meant, you know, our accounting, everything. Yeah. All of the projects we were working on, all people started working from home. Uh -huh. Our project managers had to learn new skills very, very fast mm -hmm. because you know, they brought, people brought their work home. That was intrusive to the other family members if they were living with family members. You know, they were stuck in rooms for days on end, and, you know, popping out just to eat and then coming back again. A very different world, you know. Uh, you couldn't read people's uh, uh, body language. You couldn't tell whether they were stressed. You didn't know whether they could really commit to something. Every, conversations were being done serially. Yeah. So I would speak, and then after I finished, someone else would speak, and then someone else would speak. It was never, it wasn't, it wasn't like a natural conversation where you're just chatting, you know, uh, in a room together. So brainstorming became tougher. So these are, you know, the people that stood out of the crowd when this was happening were the project managers. Yeah. Because they knew how to deal with people. They knew how to deal with scheduling. They knew how to deal with planning. They knew how to deal with resources. They knew when things were perhaps not going the way they needed to go. They were fantastic at communicating. Uh, they were great at, you know, highlighting issues before they arise. And yeah. all that will stay. And all that is super relevant. Uh, and that's organizations want that across their whole organization. Fantastic. Wow. Right. Absolutely. And that was kind of one, one of my next questions that I had for you as far as coming out of the pandemic, as far as that's almost that evolution of the project manager in the space where we all had to adapt, like you said. And, you know, to your point, really project managers kind of really coming out of this as you know, almost in leadership roles where you have to bring the people together, where you, you know, with everything done virtually and remotely, you know, that type of skill set, you know, becomes like you were saying, 10x, where you have to be able to read the people's, you know, communication styles, where you have to bring the groups together and still try to maintain that effectiveness when it comes to communication and collaboration. I think that's, you know, that's very interesting. Um, what do you think will be kind of from your standpoint, as far as the trends that now we're in that kind of the second stretch of the pandemic uh, and that's that impacting the overall workforce or project management in general, where do you see, you know, things going? What's your what's your vision into into that space? Well, first of all, I mean, you know, big caveat, whether, you know, what my thought leadership, you know, it could be completely what wild uh, but let, let me tell you a few things that i am hearing first of all for sure uh homeworking and virtual working it doesn't have to be homeworking can be working anywhere it doesn't have to be homeworking um working from anywhere is like a genie that's been released from the bottle and i don't think it'll go back into the bottle i think it's out now and i think that people have realized that you can do this uh remotely but i don't think that that's going to become the default way of working uh, I was reading a report with an IT firm. I can't remember which firm it was, but they did a survey in February 2020 and asked their employees, would you, would you like to work from home permanently? And 80% said, yes, we'd love to work from home permanently in February uh, 2020. Uh -huh. They asked the same question in June 2020. 
60% of the people said, yeah, we'd love to work from home. And then they did the same exercise in December 2020, end of the year, just gone. And only 30% people said that. They wow. Were so it's gone from 80% to 60% to 30%. And then there are some companies, once they do get back into a working environment, working uh, in an office, you might find for the first six months, they love it. And then they want to go back to the homework environment. So my point is nobody really knows what the outcome is. You, 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 you nailed it when you said people need to be extremely adaptive. Mm-hmm. People will need to be super nimble. People need to be agile. People need to try new ideas and pivot fast. They need to be gymnastic. You know, they need to, uh, you know, they need to be able to, organizations will need to be able to pivot. So I think that we'll move to some kind of hybrid model. Uh, I think the default, I originally thought the default would be everyone works from home because there's a lot of benefit. You, you don't have to be then locked into a particular region. You can tap into resources from all over the world if you're working remotely. Yeah. So there's lots of benefit. But I do think people need human interaction as well. So I think a lot of people are tending towards the default being working from home and then coming into the offices for meetings and things like that. Mm-hmm. I actually think it might be the other way around. I actually think it will be default is office work, but you are but you can work from home if it makes sense for you right. to do so. That empathy will be there. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is there'll be multiple ways of working. I think the world is moving to a more projectified way. I think there'll be a huge uh, shift in social responsibility. I think the way val- businesses are valued in the future will include more than just the, the commercial outcomes, but also how is, are those organizations creating their wealth? Is it socially responsible? You know, what is their carbon footprint? What is their, you know, the attitude towards uh, workforces in different countries and so on and so forth. So I think that is taking quite a, a, a center stage at the moment in, in, the, in the minds of a lot of CEOs. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I think that um, uh, there may be some Uberization going on with the workforce. I, I, I can see that happening. I think companies will ask for it. They'll say, we need that flexibility. We need that ability to move. I cannot. And then the downside of that will be culture. You know, how do you maintain the culture in the company if you're just reliant 100% on contractors, right? So yeah. I don't, don't think it'll ever go to 100%. But, you know, my point is take the extremes and work out what the implications are and then work to a, a balance in the middle. So three, three, three key areas. Um, I think some form of hybrid model, uh, working environment for the future. Uh, embracing of uh, technology, obviously, um, to do that. Uh, Hyper agile environment, multi-projects across organizations. Uh, I think that's going to happen. And I think a huge social bias, uh, not bias in, in the negative sense, but attending a, a towards social responsibility. Um, I think that's already happening and will continue at pace. So they're, they're the kind of things that, that I'm, I'm looking at uh, as I try to reinvent and stand up PMI in the, for, in the, in the new norm. Always then, yeah. Wow, that's you know that, that's that's exciting, and thank you, thank you for providing kind of the this almost like compartmentalized view into these different trends that you know a lot of us are experiencing these days. And you know, I can definitely you know relate to a lot of things that we're experiencing with us, you know, helping organizations with from a staffing perspective find the project managers or the you know development uh resources when it comes to that hybrid model to be able to operate not only 100 remote but also provide the opportunities for the workforce to experience that you know face-to-face interaction that office you know setting so that's super exciting and then the overall kind of that kind of uberization that as you call that from contingent workforce perspective i think that trend is also definitely going to grow more and more as companies you know face that need to be a lot more uh, nimble from that standpoint mm-hmm. um so you know from st- from from your personal perspective uh what are your sources of learning what are your sources of information uh Share with us Sunil's content diet, as I like to call it. <laughs> what do you consume on daily basis? What's in your bookmarks? Uh, whether that's a blog or you know whether that's a Twitter profile that you follow, tell us a little bit more about that. So sure. So I won't give all my secrets away, but uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoy. Uh, you know, I, I I read a fair bit, but. I enjoy conversation and I love getting onto these forums and I would recommend, you know, there are a lot of forums out there now because everyone's trying to battle their thinking around what is the future going to look like right now. It's great. There's some fantastic conversations. There's some really poor ones as well, but you know, I try and get on some very good sessions. I, I really particularly like the, the 
the Fortune CEO I uh, um, session that I'm on at the moment, uh, where there's a lot of CEOs on that. I love that. Mm -hmm. I do some uh, good work with uh, so Fortune, working with the United Nations. Uh, I love looking at what they're talking about, uh, the World Economic Forum and Davos. Um, you know, The Economist is actually quite good as well. I I, I think that you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that are. I mean, we are in some serious situations right now. There's no doubt about that. But it's very easy to glamorize some of them as well. So I do like to talk to people that are a bit more grounded. And maybe that's the project management side of me coming out. But, you know, I do like to be, speak to people. I, of course, we can see, you know, there, there may be a cliff edge there. And there may be some inevitability in some of the things that are going. But that doesn't stop you from, 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 you know, thinking about what the art of the possible could be. So, uh, so I'm an avid... Uh, uh, follower of uh, of you know Harvard Business Review. I love some of the, the topics on that. I've been actually been reading uh, some. It's quite difficult reading, but The Lancet because of all of this uh, COVID stuff that's going on, and there's so much you know fake news around it as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to go to the British Medical Journal and the and um, mm -hmm. the Lancet that tends to you know I, I probably understand thirty percent of what they're saying in there because it's very scientific, <laughs> but but I, enough for me to be able to get a sort of informed view, which is quite good. Uh -huh. um, I'm really privileged that uh, PMI has got some incredible thought leaders that we work with, Thinkers50, you know, the Drucker Forum. Yeah. Um, I'm always talking with people that are far smarter, far more smarter than I am. And there's one particular guy that I will um, call out, and that's Professor Tabrizi from Stanford University. You know, um, he's worked on many, many different transformations in his in his life. He actually helped write uh the uh, the bright line book and the, the 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 transformation compass and i i've done a fair few transformations in my life as well but you know this guy is off the scale in terms wow. of thinking things to think about so professor tabrizi is a is is one person that gives me a lot of inspiration and and is a thought leader uh, but there are many many you know thinkers 50 uh, organization um, also has some amazing folks that that um challenge you daily when you you know, and are happy for a debate. I'm much more of a practical, practical guy, and you know, I don't consider myself a thought leader. I sort of jump on the back of other people and other people's uh, concepts. But you know, I'm, I'm always ready for a hearty conversation. Awesome! Wow, I love this. I love these recommendations, and you know, we'll make available in the episode notes. And personally, from a standpoint of kind of that content diet perspective, I've seen a great emergence of these kind of this almost solopreneurs that create content from like, you know, Substack is a great example where people now can launch their own, you know, newsletters and focus on particular niche areas and really express their opinions and, you know, actually monetize that from a standpoint of, you know, I'm really going to put in a significant effort into research of what I put out there. And I'm only going to tar target very niche tunnel of people that are only interested in that particular space. So I've seen a lot of really cool kind of, you know, content materials and really coming out of that. So, but also the, a lot of the great resources that you, you mentioning from the, you know, the Thinkers 50 and, you know, the HBR and all of that great stuff. Lots of great, uh, great content from that standpoint. Um, last question I have for you, Sunil, is from, and it's, uh, you know, not to come across as I'm promoting anything or none of this is I've, pandemic has been very interesting for me in the sense that I had a, a lot of great, you know, just like with everyone had a great opportunity to reflect and kind of get my thoughts together. And a, a lot of that has, you know, was around project management, my experience, and what, what are some of the things that have worked well for me, or even some areas where I had really failed. So me and my colleague, we kind of got together and we said, why don't we put these kind of thoughts together into written content? So kind of, we just came out with like the book, the PM. And right. So it's, it's still in a draft mode. We're going through a lot of stuff. But the reason I mentioned that is there's probably a lot, a lot of, you know, professionals or thought leaders, you know, that go into very similar, you know, cycles where they think of different ways of doing things and they put out materials and they create content from that standpoint. And just, I know it's a very long preview to, to a very simple question, uh, but in terms of what are you currently reading and what is uh, maybe, is, is there one book that you always recommend to others and why is that? Um, yes, actually. <laughs> Library. Yeah. I'm just, where is it? Where is it? Um, 
I just finished reading it. Um, I, I actually, I, I can't find it now. Okay, so I was reading two books. Um, oh, I don't know where it's gone. Oh, there it is. Hold on, I got it. <laughs> yeah. So they, these are the two books that I was reading. Um, and I'm not going to advertise. Well, I mean, uh, this is not an advertisement. For sure, for sure. So one of them is called uh, Becoming a 3D CEO. And it's by a guy called Luis Alvarez Saltore. He was the CEO of British Telecom's enterprise business. Um, and it's an interesting book. I mean, there's, he's a good friend of mine. And so I promised I'd read it. And, and, but it is, it's got some great content and great experience. Uh -huh. At the same time, and I quite like doing this contrasting, is I'm reading this book by Deepak Chopra. I have read this book, Deepak Chopra, which is called Why Is God Laughing? Hmm. And it's really a, 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 a sort of humorous look at a very serious situation. But the great thing about Deepak Chopra is that he's actually quite optimistic and he's quite spiritual, spiritual as well. Uh -huh. And whilst this book is all about managing risk and structure and how to be able to do this, this guy's talking at a higher level. And I love reading both these books at the same time. So I, I, I wouldn't recommend, I mean, I think that, you know, you get a third of this book or half way through this book and say, okay, there's not a lot in here. You know, it's, it's actually quite cold because it's very structured, orientating. This book is very rich and it has got, it will get you reading chapters over and over and over again. Uh, it's an old book, Why Is God Laughing? And so I, you know, what am I reading right now? I'm reading these two books. Will I even write my own book one day? Maybe, I don't know, <laughs> if I get the time. Uh, and then when I do write my own book, that is the book to read. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll keep an eye out for that, and definitely let us know when that comes together. Definitely would uh, would love to check that out. And I appreciate these recommendations. We'll make those available in episode notes for our listeners to check those out as well. Sunil, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It was a very insightful conversation. Very, you know, a lot of these topics I'm very passionate. So I could probably spend the, you know the entire day recording this, <laughs> but I realize how busy you are innovating the PMI and taking you know taking the project management trade to the whole new level so definitely appreciate the great insights and definitely going to stay in touch with you yeah no it was wonderful thanks for giving me the opportunity and the stage to talk a little bit about my life i really appreciate it thank you thank you for listening to the ivy podcast be sure to subscribe to our rss feed on ivypodcast.com and all major podcasting platforms like spotify and itunes as always if you enjoyed this podcast please give us a rating on itunes